0: How does somebody go from homeless to top real estate producer in just a few short years? Stay tuned. This episode of Keeping It Real is brought to you by Real Geeks. How many homes are you going to sell this year? Do you have the right tools? Is your website turning soft leads into interested buyers? And now onto our show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Keeping It Real, the largest podcast made by real estate agents and for real estate agents. My name is DJ Paris. I'm your guide and host through the show. And in just a moment, we're going to be speaking with top producer, Darren DeSilva. Before we get to Darren, just a couple of quick uh, things to mention. Number one, please, the best way you can help us grow, tell a friend. Think of one other realtor that you know that could benefit from hearing our episodes where we talk to top producers like Darren and ask them how they built their business and they share all of their secrets, which is so we're so grateful for all of our wonderful guests. So please tell other realtors about us. And second, leave us a review. Whatever podcast app you might be listening to us on, let us know what you think of the show. We read every review and every comment. And we're always striving to do better for you. But enough about all that. Let's get on to the main event, my conversation with Darren De Silva. darren da silva from realty one in tracy california and also central valley um let me tell you a little bit more about darren Uh, darren grew up in pleasanton california and he moved around a lot uh, throughout his childhood around northern california he ended up landing in tracy california And then there he became homeless at 22 years old and really thinking maybe his life was coming to an end. Um, But from there, he was able, of course, to turn his life around with help. And he received his first opportunity to do sales with Kirby Vacuums. From there, he moved up to car sales and eventually into real estate, which is where he is today. Uh, And it was the best decision he ever made. And recently in the last couple of months. Um, Darren was just awarded the National Association of Realtors 30 under 30 class of 2022, which is an incredible accomplishment because like thousands of people apply for it and they only give it to 30 people every year. So, um, a huge, huge, uh, congratulations to Darren and please check out his website, which is De Silva real estate. And that's, um, D E S I L V A, uh, realestate.com, estate.com de Silva real estate.com. Also please follow him on Instagram, which is Darren, which is D-A-R-R-I-N underscore de Silva. Both of those links will be in the show notes. So uh Darren, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a it's a real honor um to even be asked to be on on the show, let alone um, have somebody interested in my, in my life and, and kind of the things that have led me up to this point. So it's, I'm grateful and I appreciate you guys, you know, reaching out to me.
0: I, um I have always thought that gratitude um is one of those, well, now it's talked about a lot. I, I feel um, it's kind of more commonly discussed, but I love that, that gratitude seems to be a really present for you um i've noticed that just in, in our interactions even before we started um i think um i think that's uh i think humility it goes a long way in this industry as well where there's so many people who um you know kind of go the other way um with uh with entitlement and, and things absolutely. like that so i uh, i i am absolutely uh absolutely um excited to hear your story um let's let's start at the beginning so Tell me about sort of growing up and then how you ended up, we mentioned that, you know, at one point you were homeless in your early twenties, would love to sort of hear the circumstances there and then how you, how you got out of those, uh, that situation, because of course, a lot of people don't. So I, I I would love to hear, you know, what got you there and then what got you out.
1: Yeah. So, you know, you kind of, I appreciate, you know, you recognizing Um, the way I am and interacting with you now, being grateful and everything like that—you know, honestly, though that's not me at the core, right? Of who I am. Th- those t- those types of characteristics were were beaten into me with pain and suffering and things like that that I've gone through um, in life, unfortunately. But fortunately today, I can say that that's that's what has uh, molded me into the the person that I am today and the person that I'm. Um, working on becoming um as i continue to go through life just like all of us you know sure um so for me um i lived in a in a household with a single mother um she did the best she could she had a lot of um outside issues and things like that you know um addictions and and that sort of thing and um my father same thing he was an alcoholic um growing up you know um, he would be one way on one day, the best father, another day, and you never know what you're going to get. Right. Um, so that was kind of my upbringing is just real instability, real craziness, but that's what I was used to. You know, that's, that was my normal. It wasn't like, Oh my gosh, I had these weird parents. It was, um, that's just life, you know, um, at an early age. So, um, fast forward, you know, my, my first, uh, my first encounter with, um, for me, I was rebellious teenager. Um, I was never told no by my mother, you know, never really forced to be given responsibility, um, and, and held accountable for my actions. I always was able to kind of, um, uh, manipulate and things like that. These are things that I learned from my parents, you know, I was able to do that as as a small kid. This is a child doing these things, you know, 11, 12, 13. Um, so at an early age, I was actually sent to a a wilderness camp.
0: Um, ah, one of these sort of—we're um, going to get you in line, teach you skills that you're not learning at home, kind of thing.
1: Right, exactly. It—it it, it was like basically, um, you know, like like your bear grills. Right. And out yeah. in the middle of Bend, Oregon, which is where I was. <laughs> right. And, I, I and, feel like a
0: lot of those those uh, those organizations are out in Oregon. They're like, yeah. send your kids out here. We'll get we'll fix them. Right. <laughs> exactly. So, so they the basically place. they basically taught you survival skills yes. um, as well as working together uh, with others. I'm guessing a lot of interpersonal skills as well.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and looking back, it was one of the best experiences I think I had. Um it was funny, the, the way that they they got me is uh, me and my my friend were actually staying in my um in our place. we were in Pleasanton, California. I was living at the time in the East Bay area, and we we were um, sleeping and we got woken up by four people in in black suits. It was dead middle of the night. They came up to our room, they said, get up, we're going.
0: Over and they you.
1: Both of us, yeah. Our parents were in on it, by the way.
0: Yeah, they were in on it. They got a They're like, why don't deal. you hang out with your buddy tonight? <laughs> That's exactly what happened.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was That's funny. Amazing. So they were in on it, and uh, you know, we were like, what's going on? Uh, we we you know, we walked away downstairs and we were transported uh to to Bend, Oregon. From that point, we were given to this band of uh people that you could smell from a mile away. Um, and they threw us in a car, blindfolded us, and, um, we were taken out to the middle of nowhere, driven about two hours. Um, they drove on dirt roads, driving in circles. So we couldn't count the directions we were, we were driving. Um, and till eventually we were in the desert of Oregon, which at that point, I didn't know, you know, there was a desert in Oregon. You know, my interpretation of a desert was like dry and sand, not, um, knee deep snow and, you know, uh, sage bush for hundreds of miles. So, um, and then we were separated at that point. Um, and then we were there for two months, two months, we were, we were there. And like you said, we had to learn survival skills. I had to make fire from uh, sticks using like a bow drill and, um, uh, you know, we would, we'd have to ration our food. Um, we would, you know, all we slept under was, was a, a sleeping bag and just a, a tarp that was just a square sheet, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's it. Um, it. But it was really cool. It was like a Native American-based program. Um, sure, sure. And, um, you know, after, after a certain period of time, they give you like a, a name, you know, like a Native American sure. name. Um, so it was really cool. It was like a badge of honor, you know, and, and for me, it was cool. They did like this ceremony when I left that they had never done for anyone before. Cause you, you uh, you also become kind of like a leader with the, the people underneath you too, you know, the kids coming in after you. And um, so that, that was kind of, I feel like one of my first experiences having to kind of be um, some type of, of leader. And it felt good to be able, I got a lot of fulfillment, you know, being, having to, to try to help other people and And guide them and, and you know what I mean? So, um, looking back at that, I think that's where, um, that started for me is just finding that what makes me feel fulfilled in life is that.
0: And then how, and then, and then where did you go from there? So, so you went to the, you went to sort of the middle of nowhere, Oregon. Um, I think I've actually interviewed, uh, I know I've done at least an inter- one interview from, from a top realtor in Bend, Oregon, but, um, but, but not anyone who's had that experience. Um, so you, you right. they don't do real of-
1: estate in the desert out that way.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe they do, but uh, <laughs> probably, probably, not. Uh, probably but, not. Yeah. But so, so you were there for two months. You, you learned not only sort of individual skills about how to be responsible and disciplined and, and all of that. But then it's like, Oh, by the way, now you're in a leadership position of sorts. And now you can, you can help others, not just helping yourself. So, you know, if, if you really think about not you, but if, if our audience really thinks about it, like what an amazing uh, you know, obviously a lot of pain associated with, with getting to that place, but but what an amazing experience for somebody to have and cheers to, to, you know, to your family for, for making that happen. Um, yeah. that is, uh, that is, that is really remarkable that enough people loved you to, to want to, to see you succeed. Um, and so, so you came back from that and then, and then, then, then where did you go?
1: Um, then, I, I didn't have a plan. We didn't have a plan. We didn't have structure, but we pulled what we like to call a geographical and we moved from um, Pleasanton, California to a little cow town in the Central Valley called Newman, which had about 10,000 people. So we went from the Bay Area, you know, the right. East Bay, um, growing up, going to San Francisco, riding Bart, I mean, all the, you know, San Jose, going to this little cow town in in nowhere. Um, it's about, I would say about an hour and a half from where I was.
0: So, so um, what, why, what was the, the thought process? If I want to go to the smaller community, what was the, what was the reasoning?
1: Um, my grandparents lived there at the time. So my Got mom, it. yeah, that was the, re- yeah, yeah. It wasn't just some random town. It was more because my grandparents had, had been living there and, um, sure. my mother, my mother, you know, wanted to live closer to them. She felt like there was some support there. Um, And I think that was her reasoning. Um, But from there, you know, I, I, again, I didn't know anybody and just kind of jump back to what I do best and how I, how I met people at the time. And that's, you know, um, finding the not so good people, if you know what I mean, you know, um, people that get into trouble, people that, Mm -hmm. um, you know, have other issues, addictions, things like that. Sure. sure. Um, That's kind of, you know, the story of my my adoles- my adolescence, you know. So
0: you fell back into some older habits, correct? Right, uh, yeah. You you had more skills now, so that's good. But again, it that doesn't can make a fire being- if they needed it, right? Right. That's well. That's true. <laughs> cool. And also, also some leadership skills too, which right. which obviously exist beyond. I mean, it's funny. It's like, look, you know, people have these major experiences like you did out in the 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 uh, the the Pacific Northwest desert, um, and, and and you know you had a lot of success there, but then you go back to the real world, and it's not like well everything's magically fixed, right? Like like yeah. life is still a, a lot of ups and downs, yeah, so and downs. so the journey uh, doesn't stop. Um, And, and as somebody who has, who has had addiction in my, in my history as well, I can absolutely, you know, understand a lot of what you're talking about. Um, so, so you fell back in with some people that maybe weren't the the best, uh, most positive influences. You maybe fell into some old habits and, and then sort of what happened.
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I got plugged in with the wrong people and we were in Newman, I want to say six or seven years. Um, and through that time period, um, I I definitely got worse and worse and worse. Me personally, you know, I've faced addiction, alcoholism. I was I was screwed from the moment I was born because I got it all in my family. Right. So, Oh,
0: oh totally. Yeah, yeah. You know,
1: so I think they, I, I'm only you know,
0: laughing because. I could I, I thankfully my my parents don't have it um thank goodness and my sister doesn't but uh, many other people in my family do so I'm with you yeah. I I was I was uh, born with it as well
1: Exactly yeah so yeah. you know it is a genetic and and it is a disease you know and, and and um you know there's a lot that can be said about that you know especially when you're going through you have more of an understanding it's something that's very hard to understand if you don't have it, like when I talk to my girlfriend about it, she's like, "Huh? what? You know? So it's very, like, it just doesn't process. Right. So, and that's okay. And that's why we have, um, you know, people that do understand and, uh, you know, there's resources for people to find others who get that, you know, and that's, yeah.
0: I just wanted to interject with my, my, my most, I think this is such a, a interesting and funny thought that maybe for the rest of our audience who isn't, um, you know, doesn't have to deal with, with family members with addiction or addiction themselves. The, the best way I can explain addiction in, in one sentence, and this is, I'm sure I heard this somewhere, is it's a, it's, it's, a reg, it's, it's, a, uh, it's considered a medical disease. So it is not a psychological disease. It's an actual medical disease um, acknowledged by, um, by, by uh, the American Medical Association as an actual medical disease without a medical solution. <laughs> Without a medical, there is no prescription. Um, there there is no medical solution to a medical problem. and that is incredibly unique for this type of disease. It is actually a disease. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to make that point because that that makes it makes treatment incredibly difficult. So people with addiction, um, if you haven't been through it or if you have family members that have it, you certainly know how tough it can be. But I always think um, you know, a lot of times people think it's more of a willpower issue. And, and it's almost never willpower in my experience. But anyway, Absolutely. sorry, I didn't mean to yeah. to you, but I just wanted to make a no, point. No, I appreciate that. that. There's yeah. no solution to what you and I have, and there's no way out of it other than learning how to cope with it and learning how to ex- coexist with, with it. So I just wanted to make a big point because I Everybody listening knows at least one person who's struggling with addiction. So something to, to think about. But I, I apologize. Go right ahead into your Yeah, story.
1: no, absolutely. And I'm glad you shared that because you know, um, it's something you know that for me it, it I can't help but be passionate about because um what allowed me to have the life I have today is because I followed people who some for some reason did find a solution.
0: Yeah. yeah. And
1: all I did, just like with real estate, just like with um with the gym, doesn't matter, right? You know, I have a coach for real estate, I have a um, a, a, a trainer for the gym, I have um a a sponsor for you know um uh, recovery things like that, <laughs> yeah, right? Sure. So it's just for me, it's the same. Th- it's just finding people who have some have what you you want and doing what they're doing, right? And you also know.
0: surrendering your own uh your your own sort of identity in a sense, and, and not in a bad way, in a really positive way, surrendering your own need for control to say, you know, there's certain things I just don't do well or I don't know how to do, but this person over here does it. And I'm gonna figure out what they're doing and I'm gonna hang with them. Um, whether it's a personal trainer, a recovery coach, you know, uh AA or what what or a medical doctor, you know, whatever it is, you're you you know that you. Can't always manage everything yourself, and I think that lesson is so important. And most people don't ever get to a place where you were at, where where things were really bad, um, and you sort of were like, "Okay, I give up, I surrender, help, I need help." Um, I think I think that is um, it, it's 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 very painful, but it's also a real gift because it allows you then to say, "Who can help me?" And then you found those people.
1: Absolutely. And, and the cool thing about all of this is I can apply this to my real estate business and for, and frankly, it's, I, I believe in my opinion, why I have the life I do today and why I have the, the career I have is because I have learned these same principles that I can apply to my business. Yeah. Um, and it's the same thing. And that's why I think it's so um, it's been so easy for me to transition because it's something that I've internalized and it's, it's powerful you know, it's, it's the things that are, are taught. It, it it teaches you how to deal with emotions. It teaches you how to deal with, I mean, if I'm with a client and they say something that I don't agree with or ups or I, it upsets me sure. or, you know, emotions can get involved, especially with totally. large transactions. You know, it has allowed me as a business person to check my emotions, check um, how I respond to things, look in the mirror, pause and, you know, do Work accordingly, right? So and
0: make and make a better decision, right? And like people now to where maybe things are more impulsive. In the past. And, exactly. and, and look, this is not just for people with addiction, right? Impulse control uh is, is a huge problem for a lot of people, including myself, who who I would consider myself to be in recovery. Um, but that being said, I still struggle with that. So I think the the all of what you've gone through has really set you up in a lot of ways. I think you're right, those skills are perfect. But before we get to the real estate, I want to go back because you did something that that I think is really, really difficult but also awesome, Um, which is, you know, you, you then were like, okay, you're trying to pull yourself out uh, of maybe some old habits and, and, you know, some maybe people that, that weren't working with your best interest in mind. Um, And then you started to work at Kirby, right. For Kirby vacuums.
1: Yeah. So, so um, what led to that is basically um, from Newman, you know, it went downhill from there and um, my mother, sold the house that she had paid cash for. Mm. And, um, at the time, you know, again, I was raised, I had things, you know, I had to learn responsibility. I had to learn how to be an adult at a yeah. late age. And, um, and so I didn't, you know, have a job. I didn't, I didn't, you know, the, my mom basically took care of me. Right. Um, sure. after high school, after I didn't, I didn't seek it cause I didn't need to frankly. Right. It was all taken care of um and so eventually when when she sold the house we we were supposed to buy another house with that money and um we just kind of went from hotel to hotel we we moved from um from Sonora California to Modesto to Turlock um we stayed at a, a truck stop i mean that was the life we lived for about 2 years um, just the craziness, you know, it's a very, very involved.
0: difficult life.
1: It, it was and until eventually we, we blew through the entire um, net profit of, of what she got from the home.
0: Mm-hmm. And,
1: you know, we were just kind of living on her SSI checks and till eventually we were sleeping in the car um, at times and um, ended up in Tracy, Tracy, California. And um, I had gotten a title loan against my car um and obviously didn't make the payments and so we we ended up um saving up enough money just go stay at motel six to get cleaned up and everything and we were able to purchase a couple weeks um and then the first two days i i heard in the morning i hear a car alarm going off so i come running out and it's my car on a tow truck yeah being taken off because I didn't make the payments and I was on some red flag system. Um, and that's how I ended up in Tracy, California, by the way, is I, my car got towed and I, we got left at a motel six. So, um, but I, I've never left and called it home. So, um, you know, somewhere I started and where I am now it's, it's kind of funny, but, um, we stayed in motel six for a while, um, until eventually we got kicked out of there, couldn't afford it. And so um, we were both homeless and um, went um, and found a, a place behind a CVS store, um, stayed there. My, after about two days, my mom left and said she was going to be right back. She didn't come back. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm left, you know, on my own, everything, everything I own is on my back. Um, I'm sleeping in a cardboard box. I found a big refrigerator box that fortunately um, I could fit in. I was also 260 pounds at the time, um, which was a big, you know, a big amount of about 180 now. Um, and, um, you know, I just thought I lost everything. I, I had to find the only pay for, I feel like existed in the world at the time. Um, fortunately it was close by and, you know, called everybody in my family that normally I could call and, um, would get me out of it. Right. Sure. Cause that, that's, that was a story of my life is I could always figure a way, um, to either manipulate a situation or get my way out, and this was the first time in my life where I, the people I called, my grandparents, everybody said, "Sorry, go, go to Salvation Army. Go, we're not helping you anymore. You've burned all your bridges." And that was the starting point for me of what turned my life around. Um, my my mom didn't want anything to do with me. She left, um, did her own thing. And I was, I, I ended up finding a spot on the side of the freeway. Um, and actually, like, as I'm looking at this right now, I have a picture of myself homeless. Um, I keep it in front of me in my office every single day, um, just as a reminder. And um, I, I found a place on the side of the freeway, um, stayed there. It was like a little igloo. Fortunately, it was like rainproof because it was raining a lot. And, uh, and I would go hold a sign. I found a sign that some other homeless guy left. And it was like pre-written. Didn't even really make sense what it was said on it, but it got the point across. Hey, I'm homeless. I'm hungry. Help me. Um, and I would go hold it on the corner, and people would give me food. People would give me money. And you know, I would go um, just try to not figure out a way to numb not dealing with today, not dealing with wh- where I'm at in life, not dealing with what happened. Any any way that I can numb that and just survive. Um, that's what I, I did and, um, did that for a while, a couple months and, uh, until eventually somebody, um, pulled over and talked to me and they just talked, that's it. Give me their time. Even took a picture of me. That's the picture I have up there today, um, was the first time and, uh, and then he left. And then a couple days later, after I held the sign, um, the sign on the, the corner, um, I would head over to the, you know, I was heading to the liquor store, go get some food, um, whatever, you know, I could do. And then that way I could just go back. And then um, the, the gentleman saw me and he pulled over he said, hop in, you want to get something to eat. You know, where do you want to go? And I'm like, I'm going to KFC. I love KFC, man. Yeah. That was some good stuff. And uh, he took me and he got me something to eat. And um, eventually he got me into a, He helped. He never gave me a dime. All he did was either pay for, you know, maybe food. He maybe got me a couple packs of cigarettes at the time when I smoked. Sure. Um, And that was it. He just gave me his time. That's it. He didn't say, hey, Darren, here's twenty dollars. Good luck. Right. Which um, it's very easy to do. Right. And we think we're doing good by giving people um, money. But in my case, that would have only been enabling me. Sure. um, Sure. If he would have gave me
0: money. And, and he and also he also gave you. Um, I'm sorry, I don't want to put words in your mouth. No, but no, no. I, I, I imagine that life is incredibly lonely as well. So you yeah. now have because you know you just said everyone in the family said, "Hey, we gotta we gotta cut you loose right now because it, we can't really help you." Um, and then this this stranger comes around and says, "Hey, you I I think you're you're just fine." You know, um, I, I, I want to be part of, uh, of your life, whether it's in a long you know, long-term capacity or a short-term capacity, but just even somebody reaching out, was that hard for you to even trust, uh, somebody like that? Or, or was it, were you able to sort of, you know, embrace? Cause a lot of times I find that, you know, people who, who are on their own, you know, there's obviously a lot of mistrust because there's a lot of dangerous people out there.
1: Right. Yeah. And, you know, and unfortunately a lot of the people that I met out there too, um, I think after a period of time, you get used to being out there. I think I was fortunate enough to, to only be out there for, you know, a few months. Um, but these people who aren't as fortunate as, as I was, it just becomes their new normal. So they're like, yeah. they're less likely to want to change because they've gotten used to that lifestyle. Yeah. Um, and you know, I think where I was at is I was so lonely, so beaten down, um, they call it the gift of desperation. yes. and and that's where I was at. And I think fortunately, um, God put somebody in my life at the perfect time, when I was ready, when i was when I was willing, and when I was ready to, like you mentioned earlier, surrender, you know, and um, and and I did. You know, I had an option that day when they pulled over to hop in the truck or to continue to the liquor store you know, sure. and fortunately I jumped in and that's when my life changed. Just making that one decision, you know, um, that one decision and that, that, you know, is when my life changed is that day.
0: And, and so, so how did you get to it, it only? Cause I just find this so, so inspiring. So, so you're, you're at a particularly low moment. You, you found the, the strength somehow to make the healthy decision of, Hey, this person wants to help. I'm, 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 I'm going to, I'm going to trust, you know, and then how did, how did things start to turn around for you? I want to pause for a moment to talk about our episode sponsor, one of my favorite companies out there, Follow Up Boss. Now, after interviewing hundreds of top realtors in the country for this podcast, do you know which CRM is used by more than any other by our guests? Of course, it is Follow Up Boss. And let's face it, following up is the key to taking your business to the next level. Follow Up Boss will help you drive more leads in less time and with less effort. Do not take my word for it. Robert Slack, who runs the number one team in the U.S., Uses Follow Up Boss and he has built a one and a half billion dollar business in just six years. Follow up boss integrates with over 250 systems so you can keep your current tools and lead sources. Also, the best part, they have seven day a week support, so you'll get the help that you need when you need it. And get this Follow Up Boss is so sure that you're going to love their CRM that for a limited time they're offering keeping it real listeners a 30 day free trial, which is twice as much time as they give everyone else. And oh yeah, no credit card required. So you can try it risk-free, but only if you use this special link. Visit followupboss.com forward slash real. That's followupboss.com forward slash real for your free 30-day trial. Follow up like a boss with follow up boss. And now back to our episode.
1: Well, I instantly um, was put in a, a, a men's home. Sure. (laughs) Um, At that point, when, when I, uh, it was shared that I was, you know, willing and put somewhere, you know, I had help for the first two months, um, as far as, you know, rent, um, and that was it, but they, it taught me structure. It's all, like I mentioned, you know, for me, um, I, I was not taught, you know, um, responsibility or I, I wasn't, I wasn't, there was no reason because everything was typically either, um, you know, handed to me. I didn't have like a whole lot in my childhood, but I had, I had more than most mm-hmm. and, and my mother made sure that she did the best she could, but she was more of sure. a friend than yeah. a parent. And that was right. what did me wrong sure. um, and affected me later on in life. So that that's kind of, um, that's kind of what happened.
0: Yeah. And then, so you're in the men's home and then they say, Hey, you know, it's like, we're going to help you for a little while, but you need to find employment. You need to start working, um, contributing to society, being a good citizen. Um, and, and, and you started was Kirby your first sort of, and by by the way, we, let's tell everybody what Kirby is because I think most of our audience isn't familiar. Um, I, I have just nothing but respect for people who who attempt the Kirby job because I think, especially in, in this day and age, particularly difficult. So can you talk a little bit about what that, what, what, what Kirby vacuum salespeople are like or what yes. they have to do. And then, and then, and again, you, absolutely. I think this is, it, it, you know, 40 years ago, we'd be like, oh yeah, people to go door to door, like not that big of a deal today. That is not common. So I would love to hear this because I think it'll, people will be like, whoa.
1: Yeah. So I owe a lot to Kirby. In fact, I, I, I owe everything to Kirby because that's what opened the door for me into sales. Yeah. Um, and you know, I was on the internet, like you said, got into the place and they kind of are like, all right, after 30 days, you need to start, you need to start getting a job. So I looked on Craigslist and I saw this ad, Hey, open interviews, you know, come on down. Right. You know, they, they, they try to rally up and, uh, and so I'm like, Hey, perfect. You know, here's an opportunity. I was excited. Um, you know, when you go from a place of where you've lost everything, like it, they call it um, a pink cloud you're on. And I just was so happy to just um, be free. You know, I'd been um, I had been without any substance or anything like that for a while. So it's like you're it's almost like you're free of your your chains and um, like anything's possible. So I didn't care that, you know, there was no guaranteed pay. I didn't care that, you know, I just was like, hey, it's a job. There's opportunity. Let's go. So went there, um, interviewed, you know, they they hired me. <laughs> right. And, uh, what Kirby vacuums is, is basically, um, you go door to door. They, they only sell vacuums door to door. And if you buy yep. something, um, that's not, that's from somewhere else, it's, it's more likely a, a pre-owned vacuum or pre-owned, but brand new out of the box. They only sell door to door.
0: Um, and, and they're not inexpensive there. These are, these are oh. nice, very high end, vacuums and, um, and just yeah. going door to door. Uh, tell me what that experience was like.
1: Yeah. So it's, it's nerve wracking. I mean, even today when I'm knocking on doors, um, I use the same, uh, Kirby script, you know, that I do, Hey, don't worry. I'm not here to change your religion, guys. Like, <laughs> how's it going? Like, you know, all these skills and things like that, um, that I've learned in Kirby from getting doors slammed in your face. I, I still use today. Um, and it is, it's nerve wracking. They take you in a van, um, you know, piling in, um, say, Hey, you two, you go canvas this neighborhood, you go out, you walk with a flyer and you try to set up appointments for people, you know, and you say, Hey, um, we'd like to come in and, and do one area rug, one room free of charge, you know, to show you this, how this vacuum works. And you go in, they say yes, and you go in and you you know, I was 260 pounds by the way, at this time. And I sold, I sold in about four months, I sold about 12 vacuums. And, um, and is I, is that
0: a lot or is that not a lot? I don't even no, know. That's that. a
1: lot. Yeah. That's a lot. You, these are $3,500 vacuums.
0: Yeah. They're not and, cheap
1: <laughs> and they're not cheap, but they do everything. I mean, you, you know, I was washing people's windows with these things. You could, you could, um, do the carpets, um, hardwood floors, everything just the, the vacuum itself is so powerful i mean you would vacuum a rug and it almost looked like it was shampooed because it sucked yeah. so much dirt out from even underneath the carpet you know i mean i could go the curvy salesman starting to come out here so be careful <laughs> you know we well, you you might buy a end Kirby, up with a
0: special code for our podcast yeah. listeners no, yeah exactly <laughs> exactly yeah. Yeah. oh no you can't because it has to be door-to-door so you can't we can't have a code right um and, and by the way i want to make a, a point um for those of us that are familiar with dog the bounty hunter that's where he, uh, when he was he was in prison for for a, a murder charge, and he was released, and that's how he got his life back, and ultimately became uh, well now he's more of a celebrity, but but when he was um, starting out, he became Kirby's, I think I have this right. They're basically one of their top salespeople in the country. Wow. Um, so I don't know if if uh, but but for anyone. Um, but anyway, he's got a particularly uh, a, a very difficult past story as well. But anyway, so you started having success with Kirby, which, by the way, not the easiest sales job, probably about the hardest sales job that exists. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so then then what happened?
1: Yeah. So then it came down to, um, uh, you know, a bad month where, um, you know, I don't want to I don't want to say anything, you know, um, bad. But in my experience, um, let's just say uh, me and the, my manager or the owner of that Kirby franchise just didn't um, see eye to eye on some things. There were some unfair things going on and uh, and I couldn't pay my rent is really what it come down, came down to. So I had knocked on several doors, tried to get some appointments um, to general managers of, of car, car dealerships and, you know, sales managers. And about three or four different people told me, dude, you should drop the vacuum thing and go get into car sales. And I, after hearing that so many times, and then finally getting to where I couldn't pay rent doing this anymore, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to hit every car dealership in Tracy until one of them hires me. And I picked a day and I said, I'm going to start at Tracy Ford at the corner. I'm going to walk in and, I'm going to go to Honda Volkswagen. Sure. I'm, I'm walking in and one of these people is hiring me today. I'm going to start at the end and work my way back. So I walked into Tracy Ford, to, went to the manager and he hired me on the spot. And, wow. and I was there for about five years, um, for about four years. Yeah. And, um, you know, worked my way up. Um, and that's really what, what really helped me, you know, as I worked my way up in the car business, I started seeing, um, my effort pay off, you know, I could, I could, you know, my credit started getting better. My, all these little things that, you know, I never really knew or took for granted, you know, that mattered so much. Um, I was able to, you know, get out of the midst place, get my own little spot. And um, it was just, it was, it was really a blessing for me at the time. You know, I, I moved up to like a manager role in the, in the dealership and um and from there, um, you know, bought a brand new car and, you know, all these little things that they sure. call the promises. Right. And, and it's just, you know, I, they, they told me when I first kind of came in, um, to make a list of everything you want in the next five years. And I made a list and they said, you, we, the reason we want you to do that is because if you do that and you continue on the path you're on, you're going to short yourself. And I did that. And about a a year and a half ago, I came across this list I made. Yeah. And I looked at it and everything was checked off and more everything I made. And that that was like a dream list. Like, I'm like, there's no way I'm going to it's going to take forever. And it's so it was just so inspiring to see that, Um, you know, because it it really is the truth. You know, the sky's the limit. And uh, and I went from the car business and, um, you know, working my ass off um making i feel like as as much as i could make without moving up to like a general sales manager position or finance and um and i feel like that would have kind of made me just basically live at the dealership cuz i already was working um 6 days a week practically you know 9 10 hours a day um so i was the only thing i could do to make more money at the time was give more time and And so that's kind of what got me into real estate. Is um, I saw real estate as something that is the sky's the limit, and whatever amount of effort you put into it, that's what you'll get in return. And it's your own business. You know, it's it's something that you can be proud of. You're not working for somebody else to make them um, successful. You know, it's more risk. Nothing's guaranteed. But I I felt that betting on myself was a great investment because I knew in my heart that I would work my ass off and I believed I would make it work. I I believed in my heart that no matter what, that's the mindset I had going in um, to real estate. I feel like any new agent needs to have that mindset, especially if you're leaving a full-time job that pays you a hundred grand a year um, and going into this field um, that you have no experience in, then there's nothing guaranteed, you know? Um, that took a lot for me, but I, but I did it cause I believed I could, and it was the best decision I ever made. Well, One of the best decisions I should say.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, well, it certainly is uh, incredible that, you know, so many people who start out on the path that, that you were on based on, you know, Hey, that's what you knew growing up, growing up. And of course you know you know what you know and uh and and to be able to to you know to sort of get out of the cycle of that um is uh is tremendously difficult and also um rare uh sadly sadly rare um but uh obviously the story has has a wonderful ending um and and here you are today and not only are you a practicing agent a successful agent you were just named one of national association of realtors 30 under 30 uh right in the nick of time because you're almost 30 yeah Uh, yeah and so so, or did you already turn did you just recently turn 30 but yeah i recently
1: turned 30 so the cutoff is i want to say i think it's june 1st um and it's weird how it works it's kind of like halfway so anybody that has a birthday even though they're still 29, if they have a birthday before June 1st, unfortunately they, their last opportunity was the year before yeah. to apply. Yeah. Um, so, and my birthday is on the 15th of June. So ah. I just, I just made the cutoff. Yeah. Amazing.
0: So,
1: yeah. So it was, it was a uh, fortunate, but yeah, now I'm, I'm the big three O and you <laughs> know, I, I feel like, um, you know, my, my life is, is it's truly a blessing today. And I, I feel like if I've gotten this this amount of fulfillment and this amount of um this many blessings in this two two and a a little little less than two and a half years in real estate, um, I can just imagine um, you know, where my life will be in my 30s. So I'm looking forward to it. That's for sure.
0: I think this I'm curious because for any of for those of us that are versed in anything related to recovery or addiction, we know that surrender, um, you know, is, is really the cornerstone uh, or the very first part of, of a recovery process. And, and the reason why um, is because our own efforts, we come to a place where we people who struggle with with addiction go. Oh, oh! I can't actually do this. I, I'm not able. I can't actually live the life I want. I'm not in control. And most most people never have that experience, right? Most people don't get to a place where they're out of control enough to where they have to surrender. And I'm curious because you have uh, surrendered many times in your life in really extreme ways. Um, how important that that sort of skill is in in helping you be successful at real estate right like the surrendering skill i think i'm almost wondering if that's maybe the most important part of who you are because it enables you to take your ego and your 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 identity out of out of a problem and just go maybe there's a solution here and i just have to find somebody that does. i'm curious how important surrender is for you
1: absolutely and i think you know just, you bringing it up, you, you probably know how important that is because it's like, it, it's, it, it's instrumental to being successful. I think, you know, you, you have to detach from the outcome. You, you have to, because then what happens is if I'm attached to, especially something as, 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 um, like money, right. If I'm doing this for money, like, yeah, we want to do it for money and grow, but there's got to be something more than that. Right. And if you, if I go into a listing appointment and I'm like, oh, I got to pay my bills and I need this listing and I just, they're going to sense that. They're going to sense that I'm trying to sell out of desperation and now I'm cutting my commission. Now I'm so you know, th- there's no value there. Right. Like, right. I wouldn't want a realtor like that. Right. So. So for me, it's just detaching from the outcome. Now, fortunately, I've had a lot and I have lost everything more than once. Yeah. So, so that's why for me, like the pain and things that I've gone through, I think is it's, I don't want to say easier for me, but it's just because I know that if I lost everything today, I would be fine. I, I could rebuild and, and start something new. Right. But I think <laughs> you, you go ahead. Sorry.
0: No, you know what's amazing, and I'm sorry to interject, but I I I think this is a good gut check for a lot of our audience because I have I've dealt with a few issues that that you have, it, it, but but a lot of issues you I have I you have experienced that I have not, and and I am um, I am not confident that if I lost everything, it would be easy to rebuild. Um, I'd have a lot of help, and I think people would help me. But as far as me on my own. I don't know that I would, I, I could say I'm confident, but I've never had to do it. And I've never been in that position. And I think that that has obviously helped. Obviously, you nobody wants to have to go through that. But boy, to know that if it all went away tomorrow, if, you know, for whatever reason, you had to start over again, to just know that I'd figure it out and to be confident because you've actually done it more than once is... Is really a tremendous skill that propels people who have, you know, who who might be at the bottom, who are really struggling um, to get to a much a more elevated position. So I I am uh really because I, I was thinking about that as you were saying that, I was like, oh yeah, me too. And then I went, no, would I really be okay? No, I probably wouldn't it would, I I'd have to go through losing everything to really then d- develop certain skills. So I hope to God, I don't ever have to, but, yeah, um, right. but, but that gift of desperation, it is, it, it, we, you know, that phrase that you said earlier, the gift of desperation it is a, it is, it's a double-edged gift, double-edged sword gift, but, but it does actually provide freedom because you're like, I can do this. Um, it's not easy, but I can do it. Right. And, and knowing that I think the, a, a, a lot like you talked about this with getting a job as uh, in car sales you're like i'm gonna get a job someone's gonna hire me because i'm gonna go in there and say you really should hire me' i'm, I'm really going i did th- really well with kurt with vacuums I know how to do this i can do this someone's gonna give me a job i i never have thought that way about myself and I think that is an incredible thing that you know i'm gonna figure this out i I can figure this out and that is that's amazing. Um, so I'm sorry I didn't mean to take over there but just no really no I impressed. appreciate
1: that One thing I you know I do want to make very clear for for me and everyone who's listening is I do not believe that I could have done any of this on my own right I know for a fact that the only reason that I have the life I have today is because I surrounded myself with individuals who, Um, We're willing to help me and we're willing to show me a way. One person that told me this great analogy, it's kind of like if you're trying to climb Mount Everest, you know, if I were to climb Mount Everest by myself, I probably wouldn't make it back.
0: But if I went, you die. Yeah. I'd die.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'd be frozen up there, you know? And, um, but the chances of me making it back with a guide somebody who has been to the top multiple times, who has found a solution, who knows the path, knows the way, my chances of, of surviving and getting to the top are a hell of a lot better, you know? And, and that for me, I, the only reason I feel like I would be able to um, come, come out after losing everything is because I would find the right people to, to be around. I would seek those people out who, who have also lost everything before and came back, you know, and just follow what they've done, you know? And I think the only thing that I do have is that belief that it's possible. You know, like you yeah. mentioned with the car dealership it is, I believed that it was possible and I can do it. You know, I just needed help to, to figure out a way to do it. And, um, and I, I truly believe that me on my own, I am nothing. But me as, as, as with somebody else and with a unit and with the team and with people, we can achieve impossible things. And I truly believe that.
0: Yeah. It's like that one plus one equals three kind of thing. Yeah. It's like, it really is. Uh, the sum is greater than, than, than the parts, right? It's, it, it really um, having, uh, I, I. I've always thought, like, not always, I I, it took me till I was in my 30s to realize, oh, I need a council of people in my life who will tell me the truth, who will actually be there to to say, hey man, you're going a little nutty about this thing, or or we see you heading in this direction, which maybe isn't so great. Um, but also people that are like, We believe in you, you're you know, and and we have skills that you know, and and just having people around who um who and the, the good news is. There are tons of people who are willing to help. The hardest part isn't finding those people. I think for me, it's it's about being willing to ask because it is right. hard to ask. Yes. Whether you're a real Absolutely. estate agent and you're brand new and you're like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to get clients. I don't. It's like go talk to. I mean, this whole podcast started because I thought, wouldn't it be cool that to, like if we could get a, a list of uh, uh, of all these stories of top producers and how they made it? Like, I didn't think. Oh, I'm going to be talking to top producers. I assume somebody else had already done this, and I was like, I'll just find the podcast that already exists, and I'll just give it to our agents because they want to. They want to hear from these top producers, and then I went, nobody's done that, and I went, oh, okay, well, we should accumulate these stories, but, but it's all because you know, um, it, 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 people who have risen above are. In in our in my experience, have are very willing to tell their story and 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 help others. Um, and if you can find people that are willing to help you, that's great. But you have to you have to go first. You have to be willing to ask for help, right? Um, and and that's probably not something you struggle with as much as maybe other people who haven't been uh, as desperate at times. So let's talk about, you know, you're you're starting in real estate. Um, how did you start your business? I mean, you don't have the traditional background of like, uh, well, I don't know, actually. So, so did you have a sphere of influence when you started or was it like, I'm starting a whole new thing and I'm starting over from scratch?
1: I mean, a little bit of both. I, it, it, the sphere I have, I've created from car sales and doing that. You know, I was kind of um, doing a lot of social media with car sales as well. So I think that helped me. Because I would have people, the same way they, they reach out to me for houses, um, it was the same thing with cars, too. Um, and so, I would, I would establish that branding, you know, as a car salesman. So, that transition was really weird. But um, I think I, I made the transition very well because I went from being that car guy to real estate, you know. And I announced it to every – like Tony Robbins say, I, I burned the boats, to the island, right. You right. Know? So
0: I, I cut off all other op- options. I burned yes. the bridge behind me, not, not burn bridge in a negative way. I just, I, I burned the, uh, the, the lifeboat. So right. this is all I got. I'm going to make exactly. It I
1: announced it to the world. I am leaving the car business. Thank you Ford. all of that. So that way I have some sort of accountability yeah. uh, when things get rough. So there's no turning back. So again, that, that just, it's going to work mindset you know it's gonna i'm gonna make this happen um and that's so powerful like i think back to um that that mindset you know it's a little sometimes it can be difficult to have that same mindset especially having a little bit more time um in the business and just continuing to have it i don't i don't really don't know if that's even um sustainable right but i think you can get it in waves um -hmm. But at, time, at, at that time, I, I, I had that mindset and, um, and that's what I needed, especially breaking off into real estate. And I joined this little brokerage, you know, uh, local brokerage um, that it was like a referral um, to me and people that I trusted. And, um, and I just went in there and I had one guy, he, he fortunately took me under his wing. And he, he really, um, helped me, you know, he, he, you know, would do open houses with me whenever I would have a question, I would reach out to him and he would answer them for me. Um, you know, I felt like I was pretty resourceful, fortunately. So I would try my best to, to not, um, be needy for things. And if I could figure out a way to find it out myself, I would, that's fortunately what the internet's for, right. And Google. Um, and and just asking people too, asking other people. Um, so it took me it took me two months to do my first deal. Um, Which, by
0: the way, two months is pretty short timeframe for somebody's first transaction as a real estate agent. That's that's that sounds like an eternity for those of us in the you know. But we can everyone listening can remember you know, doing a deal in your first couple months is, is not very common. So, uh, so, but cheers to you for even getting that accomplished, you know? Yeah. And
1: that's another thing too, about mindset, because if there's any new agents that are listening, you're going to be told that um, it may take six months to a year for your first home. You're going to be told that. Um, And Mm -hmm. I would hear people say that. And in my head, I, I would tell myself, you know what, maybe for you. Right but not for me, I'm going to make this work. Right. And I think if you just, again, that belief system, if you have that belief system, um, and just continue to believe and, and stay consistent with your activities, just like prospecting, just like, um, working every day, you know, treating it like a business, you know, real estate's one of those things where you put in the work today and you get the results a month or two, you know, at the, at the soonest,
0: yeah, I was gonna say it could be a year's. Yeah, it could um, be a
1: year. Yeah. Uh, and mo- more than likely it's it's gonna be that long, right? But um you have to put in you have to have the mindset that what you're doing today is going to benefit you later on, right? It's not gonna be well, quick.
0: And that's the thing too. And I, I hope I, I'm glad you 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 sort of challenged me a little bit on that. And I, I appreciate that because it is impressive to do a deal within your first two months, but it's not unheard of and it's absolutely doable. It's just not as common. But also most people don't have as much desperation to say, I got to make some, I got to pay my bills. I got to make something work. It's amazing. Again, back to this gift of desperation. But what what happens is by putting the blinders on and realizing, okay, most of my efforts today in real estate won't manifest to to actual income, maybe for a year, maybe six months, you know, a year, whatever, uh, whatever the, the, you know, the time uh, sales cycle is in, in your particular market. But you also end up making some quick luck uh, along the way, right? Right, exactly. Like it ends up like lucky things start to happen to people who are crazy disciplined. So it's not just like, I mean, look, we could say not a whole lot of luck fell your way. um, Or we could say you had a lot of luck fall your way at the right times. Either way, you have always been um, on your way up a very disciplined person Um, You've always sort of made your own luck. It sounds like like going from car dealer to car dealer is no is not fun and beg basically begging for a job and I don't mean begging in a bad way but being like I got to get a a job Mm -hmm. that is, is in, most people would never do that. Most people won't go to 10 different dealerships. Now you got you got lucky on the first one in a sense, yeah. but you would have kept going until someone said yes anyway. So, so the reality of it is you could say, oh, it was lucky it was the first one. Well, yeah, but it might've been the third one or the fourth one or the 10th one. You would have still got a job um, it, because, well, or maybe you wouldn't have, and then you would have pivoted to something else. But the point is, is you were convinced that there was a way out and all you had to do Was put is put the blinders on and just go to work essentially. Um, And someone's always going to give somebody a chance who has that mentality. Like that is, it's really kind of a boss's dream hire. Somebody comes in and says, I have to work here. I need to work here. I want to work here. Like that attitude. Um, And and I imagine that's probably endeared you to your clients because as you show, or or you didn't show, but but you have that picture of, hey, here's a time when I didn't have anything much or or much of anything, or maybe really anything. I have that picture from, I remember what it was like. And not that there's anything wrong with with going through that experience. Of course, it's it's brought you to where you are today. But it's nice to sort of say to say, oh, at one point I that that's that was my reality. Today, I have a different reality. Um, and uh, and and you know, there's been a lot of people helping me along the way. But it's really been a lot of effort on your end. Um, so so let's talk about the future. So you started in real estate. You you uh, had you did your first deal, and within a couple of months. And then then how did things progress from there?
1: Um, so from there, I always had at least one pending, um, which was nice amazing yeah it was it was nice um, and and a lot of my business has come from from my sphere, you know, from um referral partners, from um, those sorts of relationships that I nurture and have developed a system around that um, and and that's really where. Um, all of my business came my first year, um, and, you know, it was a blessing. I made, I made more my first year than I did at, at my, my car sales job where I was kill. I was selling 30 cars a month, um, which is, it's pretty good in the industry, yeah. um, you know, and just, just crushing it and, and here in real estate working less, you know, um, in a sense, like, like compared to how I was working in the car business, right. Where you're clocked in, you're at the dealership. Right. And, and that's also one thing is like, I just thought like if I was able to take that same mentality that I had in the car business and apply it to, um, to real estate in my business, which let's face it, I don't think any real estate agent really does, you know, Um, and, but the ones that do are super successful and that's what, that's what I, I try to do and and have a schedule, you know, um, just have a system and treat it like, like a business, you know, just because I get to dictate my own schedule does not mean, um, I shouldn't treat it like a business. And that's what I'm starting to, to learn is just trying to have some structure um, and things like that, um, instead of treating it just like, like a lot of agents treat it just as like a, um, hey, I'm a realtor, treating it more like this is my business. This is, you know, I need to have systems in place. I need to have a schedule. Um, I, I add admins, transaction coordinators, you know, having team members, just having that growth mindset. And that's kind of where I am today is starting, just starting that process with that. Um, trying to, um, have these systems, right. A guy that was living in a cardboard box, trying to develop systems for a real estate business. Let me tell you, it is not easy. <laughs> so I, I fail more than uh, succeed, you know, but I, I learn and I learn new things every day. And, and I invest in coaching. I invest a lot in real estate coaching and other things because I know the value I know the value and coaching is one of the things that I invested in right off the bat when I first started. And and if you have the funds to do it, I would 100% recommend any new agent and quite frankly, anybody, whether you've been in the business for 30 years to invest in coaching because it for me is, is you, again, you have to have a guide to climb Everest, you know? And uh, yeah. And yeah. accountability as well.
0: Yeah, we all need we all need Sherpas to help us kind of lead the path, guide the way, uh, hold keep us on the path too. And you know, they always say, "What it takes a village to raise a child, it takes a village to run a business." I mean, it just does. And boy, you know, aren't you so aren't aren't we so lucky that we live in a time now where we can get help globally um, from people that we wouldn't have have had had access to. Uh, twenty years ago, um, that that just wasn't wasn't a thing. You couldn't hire a virtual assistant twenty years ago; they didn't exist, or if they did, I didn't have access to them. And now we can get help from people all over the globe um, who can help us uh, for you know reasonable cost. Um, and you're you're helping them by providing them income; they're helping you by helping run your business. Um, I'm I'm always shocked that individual practitioner agents, a lot of them don't, uh, think to employ somebody, even if it's just somebody to help plan your day or somebody to help structure. So you, you, you're now building these systems and you're, you know, I'm curious now as the market's shifting. So I want to sort of talk about what's going on currently in, in the real estate industry, because you're still relatively young, uh, as an agent, uh, also your age, you know, you're, you're a younger guy. Um, now things are, are are starting to to shift right We're seeing a slowdown. We're seeing interest rates rise. we're seeing of course inventories has been challenging for the last couple of years and you know less buyers are now flooding the market because rates have basically doubled um, more than doubled uh, in some cases. Um, so so how are, how are you adjusting to that? has that has that hit you yet? Has, have, have things changed for your business? Just curious on on what you're doing right now
1: yeah so i am very happy the market's shifting um i think we needed to slow down um every buyer that i have right now it's like first offers accepted which is nice you can keep contingencies we're asking for closing credits we're negotiating price like i'm like wow you know you have new builders now like raising the commissions they're buying or they're paying out to, to right. realtors. Like, you know, and sometimes quite frankly, I'm like, Hey, F you guys, you know? Yeah. Now, I just closed want... a
0: deal with you a month ago. Where's, where's that, uh, that bonus yeah. for me.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and, you know, um, so I, I actually like it. And as far as the listing side goes, you know, I think it is who you, who the sellers work with matters more than ever right now. And all the agents who stopped doing um, the marketing and the activities that that um, got results when when you needed to market a house, you couldn't just stick it in the MLS and put a for sale sign and say, I sold it for 300000 over asking price, right? I'm the best realtor out there. I hate those posts. I absolutely hate them because it's Lisa. like, dude, come on. Like, what did you, you put it for sale sign one and granted, you know, we all got to market ourselves and I get that, but you know, as an agent perspective, agent to agent perspective, it's like, come on guys, you know? So the people I think that are getting hit and doing price reductions and all those things, um, I think are people that, um, may need to look at what type of um, marketing and strategies they're doing on their listings, you know are they having are they are they you know going door to door? Like I'll give you an example right after this, I'm heading to Sacramento to um, do door, door knocking to invite everybody out to our open house this weekend, right? Okay then-
0: okay, let, let, let's pause real quick because this is a, this is a, a really nice thing. Door knocking for open houses. it's so funny you mentioned this. I, I had done I did an interview four or five years ago. With a guy named uh, Nico Apostle. So if anyone else would go back, look look for the just just search on our website for Apostle, just like uh, Apostle from the Bible, same spelling. And he he did this, and he's the only other person. And I actually just saw him a few days ago uh, because he's a local guy here. And I was like, I still tell people about your door knocking open house thing, and I've yet. So you're like the first person in five, four or five years to talk about it. So let's talk about what what this is. Talk tell me about the strategy for for getting people to show up to open houses.
1: Yeah. So, you know, you, you pick, you know, 50, I would say 50. I, I used to do a hundred, but it was just too much because when you door knock, it takes a little bit more time. If you're just dropping off flyers, that's one thing. But I like to go up to the door um, because you 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 have a conversation. And when you talk about like cold calling and making phone calls, the whole goal of all of that is to get face-to-face with the client, right? That is the only goal. So imagine you have a listing. You actually have a reason to talk to somebody and you're, I'm not asking anything from you. I'm simply inviting you to check out your neighbor's house, right?
0: Which I'm, everybody wants to do just out of their own curiosity. Out of curiosity, their- Exactly.
1: Exactly. So like what better way to leverage something when I'm not asking you to buy or sell anything, right? I'm inviting you just saying, hey, come on down. You know, we want to get your your take on, you know, the house. Maybe if you can give us some feedback, we'd love yeah. for you to come over. We got some wine. We got some, you know, hors d'oeuvres. Just come down, you know, and check it out. And hey, if you happen to know anybody that's looking to move into this neighborhood, a family, a friend, you know, um, we'd love to, to maybe get in touch with them. Whatever you want to say to try to try to convert, right? Um, but yeah, you go up to the door, you know, if it's in that specific neighborhood, you knock, they answer, and you just simply here you go. It's Kirby 101 for me, right? I was
0: gonna say this this is Kirby. Yeah. This yeah. is Kirby.
1: You know, you 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 have your flyers in your hand, and the first thing you do when they open the door is you just stick your hand out and you hand them the flyer. Hey guy, and smile. You always yeah. smile right? Yeah. That's the first impression, big smile. Hey guys, yeah. you know, and I'm um, just that. And again, you know, back to the, the whole cold calling and just doing phone calls in general, you're, you're, the whole point is to be face-to-face. I've literally, all I've done is walk, didn't cost me $10,000 for a lead, nothing. I literally walked over to this person's house who is a potential um, lead. And I, and I gave them something of value and I'm now creating a, a conversation with them. And if if I if I track my numbers, I'll know that if I talk to ten people that I've knocked on their door, I'll probably get you know two or three emails, info numbers, and one potential appointment to come back and talk about potentially selling their house.
0: Right. So is, is that are those numbers about right? So so maybe knocking on fifty gets you about 10 conversations, which gets you two or three emails, which maybe nets you one customer in one opportunity. Right. One opportunity. Yeah. So so whether it's a buying,
1: buying or selling, sure. it's it's just an appointment, lead generation, right? And that all that all was free.
0: You know, so it, it it's it's free and it takes it, it's free and it just takes time and it takes willingness and it takes a little bit of uh, getting over the lump in your throat to knock on a door of a stranger. And, and I always, I always have told, try to tell our agents, it's not creepy. If you're not a creep, (laughs) like like (laughs) like, if if you're a nice, normal human, and, and again, women have a different, and I'm not here to say it's equal for men and women, obviously women have additional safety considerations. And maybe this wouldn't necessarily be something a woman may want to do just for safety's sake. But, but and I'm not here to, say, to to get into a gender conversation, but certainly you know think about safety. but at this you know for doing that, um, I'm curious well this is this is a question that I think will will better answer this. Um, how many how many other agents in your market are you aware of that door knock for open houses like you do?
1: Um, outside of my brokerage zero,
0: um,
1: I think the only reason I hear some of the people in my brokerage do it is because we have, you know, meetings every week and people share what works for them. So you hear it more often than none now doing it and being consistent with it, I think are two different things. You know, they, they do it for one open house and take a couple Facebook photos and say, Hey, I did it. Um, which I'm totally guilty of too. I'm not any, you know, consistency. That's the hardest thing. Sure. Um, but I, I find myself being able to be aware of that fortunately. Um, and, and really trying to look in the mirror and seeing, okay, I need to be consistent with this. Otherwise it, it doesn't, it doesn't work. So there there's definitely, I, I think if more people did it and did it consistently, they would see results no matter what you do. Right. Right. It doesn't have to be door
0: knocking. I'm just saying, Yeah. Uh, but, 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 but I love, I love that particular one because it's it's got that old school kind of like, uh, I don't really want to do it. Um, it's, it's, it's way harder than picking up a phone. Phones are way harder than reaching out on social media and not always not. It's not always that the hardest activity is the best activity, but this particular activity I, I love because it's it's incredibly humbling. Um, it's it's not an ego based thing, right? You can't. Uh, you're not showing up um, like, hey, look at how cool I am. It's a very humbling thing to have most people go, I don't really want somebody knocking on my door. So, so you do have to go through a lot of, of people maybe poking through the, looking through the windows, like yeah. who's that guy? What, does he want? And, and, and obviously you're, you're a professional person. So, you, so, you know, you, you, you have, you know how to dress and, and how to present yourself, but I think it is a wonderful experience. And by the way, for those of you who say open houses don't work, d- do this, uh, so how do you do it when you go? Do you do it a couple of days before? Do you do it the morning of? When do you do the door knocking for open houses?
1: Yeah. So I typically do it a couple of days before. I know some people like to do it the weekend before, um, but I like to be fresh, Yeah, you know, fresh in people's minds because chances are that paper I hand them is going to go straight from their hand to the trash can.
0: Totally. Totally.
1: So all of I course. want them to see is my name in the big, your name should be the biggest thing on there other than like open house. Um. So that way, at least if they, if on As way it's the on its game, way to the,
0: to the garbage, yeah. they see your name, they see yeah. your
1: name. Exactly. So you're branding yeah. yourself and, you know, and then just, you know, open house invite. Um,
0: so I, 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 I love it. And I didn't mean to get, to get stuck on this, but I think this, tip alone is so important and it doesn't mean you have to go door to door for your open houses, but if you're having, if you're going to all the effort to put an open house together and I'm not saying Darren, I'm talking to our audience directly, you know, go the additional extra step and canvas the neighborhood, really politely knock on the door say hey just so you know i'm listing a home down the street thought you might be interested in checking it out here's a little bit more about the property if you we'd love to have you over just to see come see the property maybe give us some feedback that would be awesome um it, it's, it's it, it, it it will net you people showing up so if you're somebody who says open houses don't work I only want to hear open houses don't work because I also knocked on a hundred doors and still nobody that then you can tell me open houses don't work. Right. Darren's here to tell you open houses work, but you have to probably put maybe more, sometimes you have to put more effort in than just throwing it up on the MLS and and saying, come, come check out the open house.
1: Right. And the only reason for me that I'm doing open house is because you, with a listing, you can leverage,
0: you know, there's
1: there's ways you can leverage buyers' listings too, but it's more like direct mail and stuff like that. I don't think it's as um, effective. A listing you can really leverage, and the only re- the open house is not going to sell. It's not going to sell the house, right. right? The whole point. Unless you're
0: very lucky. <laughs>
1: yeah, unless you're very lucky, you get you get somebody that walks in and sees it, and you know, and that and that happens from time to time. But regardless, if they really wanted to see it, they would have ca- they'll call their agent and have them show it to them. You know, so really all the open house is, it's to generate you more business. That's it. You're leveraging one opportunity and making three more. You know, I can't tell you how many buyers I had come in that are unrepresented into an open house where not only did I get them um, in contract on the house I was selling, but they had to sell house too. So it was three deals in one that happened, that happened twice to me last year, six deals um, just from one open house, right? And so, you know, little things like that. Now, it doesn't happen every time. Right. But again, it's just it's consistency. So um, that's what I believe. Um, again, belief. Like I know if I stay consistent, do I do I get um, deterred and do I get down like, oh, this isn't working, man. I, let me try something else. Yeah, 100 percent. I get shiny object syndrome. Right. And oh, me too. Sure. You know where that's in- going
0: to fix everything. If I yeah. just had that, that's yeah. what I need. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Let me listen to this guy and do this, and I'll try this for two weeks, and I don't get results. So now I'm going to try this. It. You. You can't. You have to. You have to be consistent, no matter what you do. And then after doing it for you know six months, you know three, four months, how whatever it is, everything's different. Um, then make your judgment. Maybe this isn't for me, you know, or maybe I need to try something different or my approach is wrong or, you know, it's for me, it's like always looking within what can I do differently? Not pointing the finger, you know, that's the one thing like just for my personal life too. Once I stopped pointing at everybody else and I started pointing the finger to me and seeing what I need to do better, what I need to change, what, what I can do then i started letting everybody else or not letting everybody else control my destiny control and i started taking responsibility in in allowing me to control my life and me to control um where i want to end up right because i can change my actions but i can't change yours i can't change the brokerage i can't change anything so i can't blame it on the brokerage i can't blame it on the market
0: conditions the market
1: conditions I can't, What all I can do is adjust, right? I think this market going kind of back to your, your question about the market. I think this market is, it's going to show the true professionals and the amateurs and the people who do this as a side business, or just don't treat it how they should, you know, don't take it seriously. Like we're dealing with people's largest assets. Like these, these are people's lives, you know, I have clients crying to me sometimes because of how how stressful the process can be. And and it's like I want to make it so smooth for them that I don't have to hear one person ever tear up. That's that's where my I'm like, how can I make this escrow or this selling or buying? How can I make this process just so smooth for my clients to where all they have to do is worry about packing, right?
0: You know, you know it's funny. I um I I just, I I absolutely could not agree. I went through this process a year ago. I bought um, a primary residence, was not my first time buying a home, Um, but um, it, it was my first time in a while buying a home. And I also work in real estate and we have like almost 800 agents here. So you would think that I would be like pretty, I'm sort of in the industry and I'm kind of like, shouldn't be that emotional about it and thank god i had uh people to help me through my own emotional storms of my own transaction which was pretty normal and there wasn't even any major hiccups and i thought you know i sort of know more than the average person who's i'm not you know i'm not a practicing agent so i don't know as much as you but i know enough we have enough agents here that i sort of feel like i have a general idea of how it all works but it was so incredibly stressful. So I was like, "Oh, I forgot how it feels." And and you you're so right that having the job of the realtor at least for me was keep DJ calm, <laughs> and I my boss was the guy who who was keeping me calm. You know, he was he was he was the one where I went, "I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do this. It's this all freaking me out." And then, you know, and I'm not somebody who doesn't handle things well, I think, but even for somebody in the industry, it was crazy stressful, and it was a perfectly normal transaction. So I think you're absolutely right. And then, then now, think about you know, of course, everyone else who isn't in real estate doesn't re- doesn't remember what it was like to buy a home because maybe they did it ten years ago or they haven't ever done it. And now, and now we're in multiple offer situations uh, still, even. Um, so you have a lot of stress there. So, so I think you're right that you making things as stress-free, of course, it's still going to be stressful, is really the the main benefit of working with a realtor is having somebody say, don't worry, I, 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 will, I will keep you up to date. I'm, I'm on it. Um, exactly. Do you find that that's the most important part of your job is sort of ma- managing, uh, being on top of it so that your clients don't, you know, that they're able to, like you said, all they have to worry about is moving?
1: That's it. it. It's just communication too keeping people in the loop. If there's, if there's no update, send them a text saying, Hey, there's no update, you know, don't just not text them. Right. <laughs> like, like little things like that that I've found people really appreciate. And it, and not only that, but the service you give, um, like to me, it, it, I, I focus the reason I give high level service like that one, I want to take care of people. But really it's because I want people to refer me to their friends, family, people that they know because of how great of a job that I did. Right. There's all, there's always some, uh, there's a motive behind it. Right. And, 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 and that's the truth, you know, um, because that's what I value. I want to be known as that guy that makes it smooth for people. So it's in everybody's best interest to, focus on those things too. So that way you're, you can have a very um, lucrative referral business, referral based business where you're just getting referred clients left and right, you know, like that's the dream, (laughs) you know?
0: Yeah. And it all has to do with service and discipline, right? So, so you, you have echoed that over and over and over again in the time we have, and I think it's a good place to sort of, uh, Sort of wrap up today because uh, yeah. wow, I feel like I've just been on this emotional journey with you. Uh, I appreciate your vulnerability, your honesty, your willingness to share uh, some of uh, some of your life uh, sort of story and and I think that is uh, takes tremendous courage and um, and and I have, I have a tremendous amount of respect for that. So uh, congratulations! And by the way, also. Not just me recognizing it clearly. National Association of Realtors thinks you're pretty special as well, uh, awarding you the 30 under 30. Which I know a few people, I know many people who have received that award, and they're all they're all amazing people. So you are now, of course, in that same same uh, rarefied air, which is uh, I'm sure very humbling for you, but it is really impressive to the rest of us. So, by the way, we should also mention uh, that Darren is now in in a place where he's like, I am now expanding, I'm building up this thing. Um, and maybe, uh, he's going to need some additional help and wants to build out his team. So if Darren tell us, tell us who you're looking for, because we have lots of agents who listen from all over the country, who, who are you looking for? Who would be a good fit for you and your team?
1: Yeah. So for me, I'm looking for somebody that's coachable, that is, is willing to learn. Um, I I look for people that have more questions than answers. Right. Um, And, and that for me is somebody who would fit into the team. I, it's not about you um, selling a million houses. It's not about, it's about your attitude and your work ethic and you willing, if you're putting in the work and you're showing up, that's all I would ask for. And that that's 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 the only requirement for for me is being coachable, being um, showing up, and getting into action and doing what you say you're you're going to do. You know, whatever your goals are, if you say you're going to do something, and we the, the next week we go over what you did the prior week to get there, and you didn't do them, those are things that I I don't like to do because here's the thing, I. I have a coach too, that I am accountable to who holds me accountable. So I expect the same thing from any of my agents. Right. Um, And that's the kind of team I'm building. It's something like that. And we grow together. um, And and it's a culture. um, And that's, and that's what I'm looking for. So I'd love for anybody that just wants to have a conversation or just talk about real estate. That's, you know, um, in, in Tracy area, San Joaquin County, um, the central valley area to reach out to me um you can you can look me up online and i would be more than happy to have a conversation with you guys and and see if uh you know potentially working together would make sense
0: and fun fact my middle name is joaquin <laughs> so uh, i am <laughs> i am a big fan of the joaquin valley uh but for anyone out there who is in sort of central uh Air- or East Bay area, uh, central Valley. Um, and, and just, you know, is, a, is, is wanting to explore other options or wanting to work with somebody like Darren, who is really still at the beginning part of his career. And he's already just on the right track to, 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 be crushing it. He's already crushing it. But to, to to go even beyond that, boy, I I would join your team in a second um, if I was a practicing agent. And I don't say that uh, lightly. And I don't say that um, as, as a platitude. It's the absolute truth because I'm like, you have a track record of success and you know what it takes. Um, and uh, so I encourage anyone out there who's interested in looking at other options to consider the De Silva real estate, sorry, real estate team um, and visit uh, Darren at his website, which is realestate.com. And that's D-E-S-I-L-V-A RealEstate.com. Also, you can find him on Instagram at uh, Darren, which is with an I-D-A-R-R-I-N underscore Silva. Links will be in the show notes. Darren, this is probably the longest interview I've Done in 400 episodes. Oh wow! Uh, um, I hope I hope it was as interesting for our audience as it was for me. I trust that it was. Um, I I am so I don't want to say I'm proud of you because that suggests that I'm in a different. I see you as a peer, as an equal, um, for sure, and and somebody to look up to and admire. Um, So I I think you you are really somebody who has got amazing things ahead of him. Um, but just the skills that you've developed, I think are are the truly truly incredible to 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 move from where you were to where you are now and and you can just tell uh, that that you you seem uh, to be at uh, to some level of peace and some level of 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 normalcy, which I'm so glad that you were able to find for yourself. And not only that, but be able to thrive and, and build something. It's, it's, it's inspiring. And I hope our audience uh, feels the same way. I know they do. Please everyone follow Darren on Instagram, check him out on his, on his website, reach out to him, um, if you want to explore joining his team, he'd love to talk to you as well. Um, and he's just a good guy, so so reach out to him. Let him know that you appreciated him sharing on our episode. And uh, before we go, do we just ask everybody to do one quick thing to help us grow, which is just to tell a friend? I think one other real estate professional that could benefit from hearing this really inspiring, impressive story with Darren's taking a selfie. So I am I am I am waving in the background here. But I want um, everyone just to tell one other person about this episode. Send this to them, especially somebody who maybe is struggling right now uh, in their business or maybe with personal issues, and maybe they're thinking of getting out of real estate or maybe they're thinking that this this just isn't the right uh, the best path for them right now. Maybe this would encourage them to get back on track. So shoot this over to them. And honestly, anyone really could, could learn a lot from Darren, um, whether they're a top producer or they're struggling. So send a link out, send them over to our website, keepingitrealpod.com. We appreciate it, all of our episodes are there, or you can also find us anywhere podcasts are served. So please subscribe. And also last thing to please leave us a review. Whatever app you might be listening to this on, let us know what you think of the show. Uh, your comments help us continue to improve as well so darren you've given us a tremendous amount of time and i know you got to race out of here to get to your next appointment i hope i didn't keep you too long um really really super proud of everything you've accomplished and also what you were willing to share uh you're a great guy and we are super excited to see your you continue to dominate the central valley market so keep it up and uh, stay in touch with us we're going to be checking in on you and absolutely uh, Awesome, man. Well, hey, and congrats on the 30 under 30 thing. A uh, huge, huge deal there. So Thank I hope you. to, uh, hope hopefully you'll come down to the Orlando uh, NAR conference this fall. Uh, if you get out there, we'll definitely have to meet up and say hi. So Absolutely. congrats again. Thanks for being on our show. Really appreciate it. Thank um, you for having me. All right. Yeah, Darren DeSilva, bye. everyone. Thanks for being on the show. On behalf of everyone, thanks to Darren. And on behalf of Darren and myself, thanks to the audience for sticking with us to the end. Tell a friend about our show and we'll see everyone on the next episode. Thanks, Darren. Awesome. Thank you.